You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sam Amick, who is one of the best NBA writers out there, guys, he's been doing it a long time, has published an article called Inside the End of the Travis Slink Era. It's on The Athletic if you want to check it out. And we welcome Sam into the program right now on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sam, um, first and foremost, you got a lot of Hawks fans going, what the hey, with a lot of the information that you put into this article. But I want to start with the depart, the departing uh, of, of, of Slink and how this all went down because we scratched our heads and we said, hey, wait a minute, why is this happening now? The timing was curious, and I remember saying that when it all went down. Take us through that process, getting us to Landry Fields, running the show, and we'll get to some of the other things you've talked about in this article. No, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, yeah, I mean, as you know, this, this stuff has been evolving, unfolding, kind of disintegrating, you know, for quite some time. And, you know, I ended up focusing largely on the DeJounte Murray trade, which, you know, I, I called it the beginning of the end. It's funny that, you know, that might not even have been the West best way of putting it because truthfully I think the wheels were kind of starting to be in motion before that. But, you know, when you've got a massive, important, pivotal trade going down where, you know, everybody who knows uh, indicates that, that Travis had expressed concern about that trade back then uh, and then the trade happens anyway, then, and this is something that every pro organization deals with, like you, you need to have a high level of trust. And, and, you know, if it's not dysfunction, it's function, I guess. So trust and function between all parties. And, and you know, when the top basketball executive is essentially not uh, getting his way on a big move like that, it's, you know, he's probably not you know headed for a great ending relationship-wise. Um, it, it was, though, to make it more modern here, you know, the, the choice to, to say that he was going to be an advisor – um, and to kind of have this exiling unfold the way it did, um, you know, it was just kind of funny to me because it was it was pretty transparent to people around the league what had happened. Uh, and, you know, and like I reported, you know, he doesn't have any involvement mm. in the operation at all anymore, and and is you know likely headed for a job somewhere else at some point. But um, yeah, I mean, a lot to unpack. I don't know if that hits on what you were focused mm. on there, but but an interesting situation for sure. It's a great article, guys. I know if you have the athletic, you want to get on it from Sam Amick, who joins us here on the WadeFord.com hotline. The crux of it, that Nick Ressler's got a lot more power now in this organization. He's influencing things. He's 27 years of age. He is the son of Tony Ressler. He's been involved in the organization, according to his resume, for the last two years. So is he now the guy pulling all the strings on this thing? It's not quite that simple at all. Um, it, it's, it's, I, and admittedly, for, for our jobs, like I love these dynamics fascinate me endlessly because – you know, you call them palace intrigue, call it power dynamics. Um, I do think to your question, there's some nuance there. No, he's not running the show. Uh, he has uh, a voice. He has a lot of influence. And I think one of the things a lot of times that influential 
people and not to, to pick on Nick at all, but I think, you know, he'd be a little more vulnerable to this if you were a younger influential person mm-hmm. is, is that people are smart, right? And so they figure out who's got the juice. And, and when you are the owner's son, that's going to come with uh, a lot of inevitable juice, especially if you're actually part of the group. And so w- what I have learned and what I think happens a lot in terms of their dynamics is that, um, you know, Sure, you might. The Hawks might want to get defensive and say he just has a voice. Except that people in that room tend to gravitate towards. Well, if 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 Nick and Tony feel this way, you know, what does that mean for my future with this franchise if I go against that? Um, and and to be honest with you, I mean, look at Schlenk's kind of fate here. Um, you know, Nick. And to clarify this, it was in the story, but I think to be fair, like on the Murray trade, like I mean, Nick was by no means the only guy who wanted it most of the room, if not the rest of the room wanted that trade other than Travis, uh, you know, but he was the president of basketball operations. Uh, so, you know, from this point forward, the Hawks absolutely indicate that, that, that Nick has got a voice and they are pushing back on the idea that he is, you know, uh, pulling these kinds of strings. I would strongly contest and I have with them. Like what has happened at this point is well chronicled and everybody knows how it went down. Uh, and, and I think too, that like, you know, going forward, I'm, I'm very curious to see what the front office structure looks like. Um, you know, it seems like, like Landry and, and Nick and Grant Liffman, their new scout, um, you know, and, and Ryan Silverstein, their cap guy, like they have a very close bond. I, I, I talked to all four of them in Sacramento when they came through my part of town, um, you know, but, but above them, uh, what I don't have clarity on is, is how does Tony wrestler see this entire situation? Because, you know, his franchise obviously has been, has been, uh, you know, having a lot of media coverage lately and, and not all the, the positive sort. Sam Amick joining us here on sports radio, 92.9, the game on the wait com hotline. It's Dukes and bell guys. We're starting the show on this Friday talking about this explosive article. And I don't mean that to be, you know, uh, over dramatic. It's the truth. Because now, Sam, what I think a lot of Hawks fans realize is we got some dysfunction going on. We have some issues internally. And this gets me to my next question. For everybody that's been killing Nate, is it fair, Sam, with what's been going on behind the scenes? Is the criticism of of Nate fair? With what's been going on behind the scenes? No, I think it's – I mean, I think it contextualizes it. And I think – that, you know, I mean, there's one thing, and we've, we've written about it, talked about it in the past. It was not really a big part of this story. As it relates to Nate, you know, I would highlight the fact that that if you're a head coach and you have a prominent franchise centerpiece player like Trey Young, um, you know, who, at least in the past, was known to be pretty tight with the owner's son, uh, I think in the coaching ranks around the league, there, there has for some time been a sense that, that Nate, would have a tricky time, you know, really connecting and holding Trey accountable in terms of the way he wants to run the team, uh, you know, because of these power dynamics, again, that, that existed within the franchise. And, and there was this sense, you know, uh, fair or not. And again, I, you know, Nick, I'm sure is feeling like some of this stuff is unfair, but like that, that Trey's ability to, to kind of circumvent, you know, whether it's his coach, whether it's the front office, whether it's anything that, that his, uh, his, his kind of rapport with Nick was, was making it tricky on some of the other team officials, Nate among them. So yeah, I think that context should be part of the Nate conversation. 
and then Nate in general. I mean, the other, again, we've had a few Hawks pieces recently, but like, you know, like nobody expects Nate to be around after this season. Um, you know, there's, there's very, very strong signs that the Hawks are already, you know, deciding what they want to do on that front. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to step down largely because that would cost him a lot of money and he's a smart guy. Um, but, but yeah, I think Nate at this point is, is mostly just caught up in this stuff. It is Sam Amick, guys, here on the WaitFor.com hotline, senior NBA writer for The Athletic, talking about the, you know, the way to put it, dysfunction right now with the Hawks as we are under 500, a nine seed in the East, and there's a lot of bad things going on on the court. One of the pieces in your article talks about DeJounte Murray, who came from the Spurs organization and has never had to deal with this, and this is not what he, from your article, sounds like he signed on for. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean that that you know the irony that was lost on both Dejounte and myself when we spoke and that hit me kind of later was that you know Landry Fields' NBA executive experience has been in San Antonio. You know he was a scout for them and then he was the GM of their G League team, the Austin Toros. And so it's like all right, so Landry got a taste of you know the Spurs organization, uh, which by and large over the course of the past few decades has been um, not only in terms of public conversation, media messiness that you just don't, not a lot gets out. They're pretty clean and wildly successful on the court. Um, and then DeJounte spends his first six seasons with the Spurs and he was, you know, not afraid to admit that you call it a culture shock or just a transition, um, that this was different, that there's a lot of noise, a lot of off-court stuff that he's just not used to that being the case. And so I'm dying to know, you know, where DeJounte's part in this whole thing goes going forward because, you know, Trey Young is Hawks basketball. I think you guys would agree with that characterization. But, you know, this league, things can always change quickly. And, and, I, and you know, DeJounte's a guy who's going to be a free agent, not this summer, but the next summer. And, you know, what he thinks, how he feels, how it's working, those all matter a great deal. And they matter for the Hawks' future because of what they gave up. You know, three first-round picks. And in a pick swap, that's a ton. That's their future. And so if this is all headed toward a dead end, you know, what does that mean for DeJounte? What does that mean for the roster and Trey? Um, you know, I think we're going to learn a lot in, in the next three, four months. Sam Amick joining us, guys. We're talking about our Hawks. They are in action tonight, as a matter of fact, against the Pacers. But this is really about how did we get here? Why are we here now and what's going on, not only off the floor, but also on the floor? Sam, let's talk about the elephant in the room. I uh, told our producers when you put the article out about JC a couple of weeks ago, I said, we got to talk to Sam. Is he going to be here? This has been going on now for four years, it seems like, three years. And I know JC was right. pretty, pretty you know, adamant with you about, screw it. I don't care anymore. I just go out and play. But doesn't this also play into what's been going on behind the scenes? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, you know, even before talking to John, I had gotten a sense that as far as kind of his circle, that he was fairly pessimistic about getting moved for a number of, of reasons, you know, not the least of which was like the front office change. There's just less experience between John and, and this particular current front office. And, and, you know, I mean, listen, Landry's got a lot of respect from people around the league and, uh, but he also hasn't been the top guy making moves to this point. So this will be an interesting trade season. You know, what can he pull off? How do those communications go? You know, that part, you know, he deserves a bit of a clean slate. That that part remains to be seen. But John, uh, I did not think he was going to get moved when we sat down for the interview because his contract obviously is pretty massive and his production has declined this year. Um, within the last 
little stretch here, even after talking to him, conversations I've had with some executives have probably changed my opinion a little bit because it, you know, and, and we aren't always privy to all of the talks happening, obviously, but some indications that the Hawks have lowered their price tag on those trade talks and, and maybe been a little more realistic in the kind of way that, that, you know, maybe does lead to John being relocated. And if you're the Hawks and you're looking to change the conversation, uh, that, that would be a, one way of doing it, right, is to finally trade John. Uh, and, and the sense I was given was that they're looking for – it's not even a, about replenishing the draft picks necessarily. That, that, you know, some of their talks don't even involve draft picks. It's wanting to get a good player in return, which tells you that, like, they're fairly – you mean, call it desperate, call it motivated to, to, you know, fix things now, this season, that they need help right now. You know, whereas before, I think we thought – They'd be trying to, to just kind of get some picks back in the cupboard after the Murray trade. So, you know, we'll see. I think there's some interest. Um, you know, we've had some reporting on that. And, and he's a good player. So we'll see what happens with, with John. If they were to move off of uh, Nate McMillan this year, who would be a coach that would be a good fit? Oh, man. Um, top of mind, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know. Well, shoot, I'll, to be candid, I'll probably stay out of the name game because I've heard a few, but I'm not in a position to, mm-hmm. to share those at this point. But I mean, yeah, I don't. I, I, that probably kind of tells you that, you know. So I, I might duck that question, but it also kind of tells you, like, if, if there's names kind of floating around the league already, okay. you know, it, it kind of tells you where things are at with Nate, because uh, that's one of the the dirty little secrets that NBA teams never want to admit to is like. You know, like once they see where the wind is blowing, like they start they start doing their work, um, and, and I think some of that stuff is happening now. But it, I think they're also going to have to look themselves in the mirror when it comes to all these different coaches and 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 the level of interest from good coaches to come be a part of it. You're going to have to answer some tough questions in those coaching interviews. You know, it's going to be an interview process, in my opinion. Uh, you know, presumably uh, feeling like that's where this is all headed where the, the candidate is interviewing the organization as much as the organization is interviewing the candidate, if that makes sense. Because uh, unless you're like a young coach who's just looking for his first big break as a head coach, you know, you're going to want to know that, that, that you're going to be, you know, go into this ecosystem and be able to succeed. Sam Amick, senior NBA writer, The Athletic, USA Today. He's been doing this for a long time. Before we let you go, i got to ask you this, because I think this is the question Hawks fans want to know. Despite all of these changes, can we fix what's going on on the floor and get to a point this season where we think we ought to be, which is top four, top six team in the Eastern Conference? Sam, is it possible or is there just too much going on? I, I mean, personally, I, well, you know, shoot, the Hawks fans that are down in the dumps today, you know, we can, I got no problem ending it on a, on a you know, kind of an optimistic note. Uh, the players I talk to, and, and Trey's conversation, that was pretty brief, and he clearly wasn't really loving it. Um, but, like, DeJounte and John, given the context of their individual situations, I was kind of struck by their level of focus. Uh, even DeJounte, I loved his perspective on leadership. I think he's a good one. Um, and, I, you know, John had a good attitude, even though he's in the trade rumors. You know, I asked him point blank, do you think you guys can – reach your ceiling and he said absolutely we're talented and that's the irony right of the whole front office fallout Mm. is that the players themselves look at the roster and say man we got a lot of talent you know um 
So, I mean, they, I think they can get there. The offense has been puzzling, obviously, uh, because, you know, they go from second last year to 22nd this year in offensive rating. You know, that's a problem. And, and so it, it, that's the tricky part about having Trey Young is that he's a little bit like Luca, not to bring up a name that Hawks fans hate hearing about, uh-huh. but like these, you know, these guys who are the fulcrum of what their offenses do and the usage rate's extremely high. Um, you know, DeJounte's been a tough fit next to him. They got to get better offensively, even more so than defensively at this point. But I think they're better than, than their record right now, for sure. I hope you just heard what Sam just said about the, the mixture and the makeup of this team. All right, man, great stuff. Read the article. Go to The Athletic, guys. Sam, appreciate you jumping on with us to start the show today. It is a big deal here in the A, as you well know. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking with you next time, man. Thank you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 